0: This episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by the Trek Geek Shop. Now you can help support our show and get yourself some cool Star Trek gear at the same time. Check out our line of t-shirts, mugs, hats, and other items for your inner Trek geek at shop.trekgeeks.com. Hi, this is Kat Roberts, Lieutenant Elizabeth Palmer on Star Trek Continues, and you are listening to the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson.
1: little show this side of the alpha quadrant welcome one and all to trek geeks a star trek podcast this is episode number 67 i am your co-host bill smith and joining me as he does every single point of the episode this week we do it right up front just to get it over with sort of like you know a little shock and awe therapy for you all he's a man i would love to see frozen in a block of ice on a desolate planet He's the timeless and very chilly Dan Davidson. And please don't confuse him for Captain America. Welcome aboard, buddy. Thought out a little bit. Why don't
0: you? I don't think anyone could uh, mistake me for that specimen of a man. <laughs> <laughs> it is good to be here, episode 67. I like what you did there with the intro. A little ice, a little cold, little little s- freezing stuff. It's pretty, you- you're good at that, I got to say.
1: We could use some of that right now here Both. in New England, because I think it's 90 degrees here in the office where I record, and I don't know what it is where you are.
0: It's it's about, uh, I'd say, high 80s, and it's it's almost 8 o'clock at night Eastern time, and it's still that warm out. It's pretty toasty. That's a good one. I'm glad we picked what we're picking to talk about tonight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> makes me want a big bowl of ice cream. Oh, that's good. Speaking <laughs> of which... Dan and Ice Cream, why don't you tell us a little bit about tonight's topic before we roll on?
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, a special episode of Voyager. Uh, episode number 100 for Voyager uh, aired, uh, and the title of the episode is called Timeless. Uh, so we're going to do a breakdown of the episode we, as we've done with other episodes in the past. We're going to talk about what we like, what we didn't like, and we're also going to have a discussion of why I chose that as my runner-up For the episode that I would take with me if I only had one to choose and was going to be stranded somewhere in the Gamma Quadrant for all eternity.
1: That sounds like something I wish could really happen right about now.
0: Wow.
1: I know, right?
0: This is why we are such a good podcasting partnership, because we hate each other. (laughs)
1: <laughs> remind me again which episode did you select over this was it Corbamite maneuver
0: it was Corbamite. that's an episode that i just never get bored of uh i i love the episode and i chose the entertainment value of what i would take with me over an episode that i feel very strongly about so
1: interesting yeah
0: so we'll get into well
1: that i here. look I look forward to that part of our discussion. As now, I look forward to you telling the folks at home how they can get in touch with us.
0: Yeah. As always, there's uh, plenty of ways to get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Skype. Our handle is the same. It is TrekGeeks. You can send us an email at TrekGeeks Starfleet.com or you can call 508-784-1701 and leave us a voicemail. If you want to do that over your PC or your mobile device, you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks and leave your message that way. Uh, also, you can join our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Uh, as always, there's lots of good conversation going on right now. We've got a bunch of new people over the last week or so that have joined the club. They're having a great time. They're getting early access to the Trek Geeks podcast, Bill. That's pretty special, too. And anybody who joins is going to get that early access. I better hurry up and join, then. I would hope that you would, because we talk about you all the time. Um, What? what? Yeah, we do. So um, if anybody wants to see what we are talking about Bill of, go to facebook.com slash
1: groups slash (laughs) Camp Kittimer.
0: That was a horrible example of grammar.
1: (laughs) What we are talking about Bill of? (laughs) I'm going to print that on a shirt.
0: I like that. We can do that. Uh, Just remember, anything that you say in any of these locations... May be used in a future episode. And
1: with that, I'm going to send it back to the studio. Thank you, Dan. (laughs) Great job on that one. You stayed right on top of that story, buddy. Top shelf stuff. Good grammar, too, Ty. Hey, I have to ask you, after all the times you've given out the contact information on this show, you know, 67 times now, Mm -hmm. do you have the phone number memorized?
0: Yeah. I just know that it's 1701 with a 508. The 784 always gets me. <laughs> I know it's a Massachusetts number, and I know that it's the Enterprise, but that 784 is the tough one.
1: <laughs> you're honest, I'll give that to you.
0: <laughs> I have enough I have to keep track of to make sure that you're kept in line, man.
1: And once again, it's time to take a look at the latest headlines in the news from our good friends at TrekNews.net. They're, of course, our first stop for all Star Trek news, and we hope that they are yours, too. Hey, uh, hey Dan, are, are you going to San Diego Comic-Con this year? No. Well, if you were, I hear you would see a huge Star Trek presence.
0: It really sucks sometimes that we live on the East Coast, because I would love ...to go to San Diego Comic-Con. We've been asked to go to San Diego Comic-Con in the past, but unfortunately we never really have the time for it. Um, but uh, yeah, they're going to have a big Star Trek presence uh, at the convention this year. Uh, they're going to have a special celebrating 50 years weekend uh William Shatner is going to be there uh Scott Bakula from Star Trek Enterprise Michael Dorn from uh STG and Deep Space 9 Jerry Ryan from Voyager Brent Spiner from Star Trek the Next Generation they're all going to take uh, they're all going to be on stage to talk about uh Star Trek in the last 50 years that in itself is pretty pretty big but there's going to be all kinds of stuff going on that weekend with Star Trek some special art uh exhibits are going to be there uh and just a whole bunch of stuff so if
1: you want Not, to jump on a plane... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention the world premiere of Star Trek Beyond.
0: Oh, oh that too. Yeah, whatever.
1: <laughs> just
0: a, yeah, just little things. Nothing really exciting going on.
1: When did you get invited to go to San Diego Comic-Con?
0: Well, Last year. We, had, we got a special uh, uh, text
1: asking if we were going to be there from our good friend Kat from Star Trek Continues. Oh, you made it sound like we were invited to... To be at the convention? Oh, like it, when did it, this oh, happen? No, I didn't no, get no, copied on this just memo. For
0: someone to ask us to go somewhere with them is important to me. So, um, hey, you <laughs> know what I forgot?
1: Because you're a shut-in,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am. You know who else is going to be there? Which I forgot to mention is Brian Fuller is going to be there. He's going to moderate the uh, panel uh, with uh, Bill Shatner and everybody else. So that should be pretty cool. Hopefully, they'll have some, uh, maybe some, uh, some little rumors or some confirmations for the new Star Trek series coming out next next year.
1: It's interesting because Brian was announced as a guest for STLV and then unannounced yeah. as a guest for STLV, which really made me scratch my head. It wow. makes me wonder if they're trying to plan something for Vegas.
0: Yeah, big surprise maybe. I'm I'm hoping to God they have some kind of new trailer in Vegas, but
1: we'll see. I'm hoping they have a cast reveal in Vegas. That would be cool. Yeah. Dan, moving on. I I know you love amusement parks and theme parks. <laughs> I'm not sure how you feel about roller coasters, but it appears there's a huge Star Trek roller coaster being built in Europe.
0: Yes, and uh, I love roller coasters. Love them, love them, love them. Um, So this was big news for me. Uh, Germany is going to be building a theme park. It's going to be a movie uh, theme park, from what I understand. And there's going to be a roller coaster built called Star Trek Operation Enterprise Enterprise. And it will rival the tallest ride in the park. It's going to be a 203-foot fall tower, which will commem- commemorate the 20th anniversary of Movie Park. Now, I'm not really sure if the if the uh, tower is what they're talking about here or the ride itself, but I do know that it's going to be one of those roller coasters that starts you out at like 60 miles an hour instead of just going up a long, long hill and then down. Um, which are very cool roller coasters, if you like roller coasters. Those those fast starts are going to be pretty cool. So they're going to start constructing this uh, within the next few weeks, uh, according to the article, and it should be pretty cool. I have no idea when I'm going to get to Germany to ride it, but at least they're making one finally.
1: I think the thing that it commemorates is me losing my lunch as soon as I get on that roller coaster.
0: <laughs> You're not a roller coaster I mean... person? <laughs>
1: uh, I find as I've gotten older, I am less and less so. Oh, okay. I used to be able to do them in my you know, my teens and 20s, but now that I'm in my 40s, it's just like, yeah, you kids go ahead.
0: Yeah. And just to clarify, the, the uh, tallest ride in the park is going to be a, f- a 200-foot freefall tower kind of ride like Dr. Doom at um, Universal Studios in Florida for those that have been there. And this ride is going to be as high as that with that 60-mile-an-hour start. So that'll be pretty neat.
1: No, thank you.
0: <laughs> well, I'll go on it twice <laughs> for you if I ever get out there.
1: Sounds good. Uh, Dan, in our last episode, we talked about the Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan Blu-ray, director's cut, recall, as mm. it were. And we have a bit of an update, don't we?
0: Yeah, um, as you may remember, we went through the process of uh, contacting um, Paramount or or whatever distribu- distribution company was doing the uh, DVD release. I did it through uh, a f- uh, phone call, and you did it through email. Um, I have already received a return envelope uh, to send my uh, copy of Star Trek 2 back. I got a FedEx envelope in the mail, and in the FedEx envelope was a FedEx envelope. <laughs> it was already pre stamped and pre paid. So I put my DVD in there, mailed it off, and uh, I'll hopefully be getting one soon to replace it.
1: Like them. in about six months.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. We will see. You did it through email, I believe.
1: I did. I, I did it through email, and just today, about two o'clock this afternoon, I got an email that said, uh, thank you for contacting us about the error on Star Trek II, the Wrath of Khan Director's Cut Blu-ray release. It is always our intention to distribute the highest quality product, and we would be happy to send you a replacement. Details, they're going to send a postage paid envelope, and once I get it, take the whole thing, packaging and all, stick it in the envelope, and send it back. And then once they receive it and verify that it's eligible for replacement, they'll send me the corrected product. So I can't wait for this process to go horribly awry.
0: (laughs) Yes. One thing that they made clear in more than one location is that you can't just send the DVD back. You have to have the case. That has to be uh, sent along with it. So if you, for whatever reason, had it and then threw away the case and just keep the DVD, you're going to be out of luck.
1: Luckily, I still have the case. Excellent. Excellent. Dan, speaking of other things that are amazingly excellent... You, I'm very jealous of you right now. Um, nah. You're going to be able to get your hands on test driving a really cool thing.
0: Yeah, this is very, very cool. Last week we mentioned that the Bluetooth communicators are now available uh, to purchase. Um, I have not ordered one. Uh, I dropped a lot of Quatlus on that Megablox Enterprise, as you may remember, so I have not pulled the trigger on getting this. But uh, a good friend of mine, Dana, who I work with and is a huge Star Trek fan, has ordered one. Uh, he will be receiving it this coming Friday, so only a couple of days from now as we record. And he's letting me get my grubby hands on that bad boy to play with for a few days. And I can do a review here on the Trek Geeks podcast. And Dana, I promise I will not drop it.
1: I hate you with every fiber of my being right now. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I'm sorry. You, I'm never going to let it go because it's just the only thing that I have to hold over you at this point.
1: <laughs> well, that's re- well. Dana should be concerned that you're never going to let it go because. <laughs> You're going to get that communicator in your hot little hands, and you're going to be like, uh, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to be doing a review for uh, several days because I'm going to be traveling, but he is going to be playing with it, taking a lot of pictures, and he has already promised us that he will post pictures and his thoughts uh, on Camp Kittimer because he's a member of Camp Kittimer, so we can look forward to that.
1: Dana, I- I'm going to speak to you as a friend right now. We've never met, <laughs> but if you respect yourself at all, or your descendants or your family in any way don't give Dan your communicator you will never see that thing again
0: wow i i, I why would you why would
1: you think that i it's, noticed you didn't dispute that
0: no well i didn't i didn't get to because my next sentence was going to be he's not you so of course i'll give it back to him
1: i gave you your enterprise back it was just in more pieces than when i first touched it <laughs>
0: I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Dana. Uh,
1: Before we get to the last story, I did want to mention that um, I noticed that Creation has announced the dates for the 2017 Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. There was some rumors going about that they may not get the license for next year and years following, given that uh, a different company is doing Mission New York. But they are, in fact, doing the convention in Vegas next year. I believe it's the same dates. date. Okay. Uh, it's like August 2 through 6. It's five days again. And it occurred to me that I suppose that makes sense with it being the 30th anniversary year for Star Trek The Next Generation. True,
0: true. Well, I guess we uh, better pencil out those dates because I'm sure that we are going to be out in the desert once again.
1: We haven't even gone on this trip, and already we have to plan the next
0: one. <laughs> but this, uh, these are trips that we really don't mind planning, aren't,
1: aren't they? i I got to get through this one. I can't even think about that one yet.
0: <laughs> I'll take care of that for you.
1: All right. And, and well, Dan, as last we, As we record,
0: though, I'm sorry to interrupt. As we record, dude, we're like three and a half weeks out. Isn't that awesome?
1: Stop <laughs> teasing me. Dan, lastly in news, um, Star Trek Online's new... Uh, I don't know what you call it level expansion or thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Star Trek online's new expansion has, has dropped.
0: I can't wait to check this out. I may actually try it out tonight. As soon as we're done recording this podcast, because I just saw the announcement today agents of yesterday, which is the one that uh, we talked about several weeks ago. Vic Mignogna did some voiceover work for the teaser trailer. Uh, Chris Doohan's going to be in it, as Scotty and Walter Koenig is in it, uh, voicing Chekhov. It all takes place in TOS era. You're going to be able to have uh, Constitution-class starships. It is available now. It launched today, July 6th, as we record. And here's the kicker. It's free to play. You can buy stuff in the game, but you can play it right off the bat.
1: I, oh, man, I don't know if I have time to play. I'm going to have to wait till console. I know I am.
0: (laughs) I'll let you know how it is. I will find the time.
1: <laughs> well, uh, now I challenge accepted, then.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll see you online, mister.
1: Well, Dan, several weeks ago, in our ask us anything we talked about the episode that we would sort of take with us if we were stranded and you had a runner-up which i thought was very interesting and we decided to turn that into an episode mm-hmm. and the episode is voyager's hundredth
0: yeah it's a big landmark episode and i gotta say we've we've had our fun with voyager uh, on the time that we've been doing the podcast and we like to uh to uh, give it a hard time and and say where the faults were. Uh, But there are several episodes in Voyager that are really strong, and I'm really glad that the 100th episode was the one that it was. Timeless uh, is a great story, um, and it's got a lot of meaning to me. But when we talked about um, in the Ask Us Anything episode, you were shocked that I chose Timeless, and um, I think you were shocked again when you rewatched it.
1: I was on on both levels. I was I was shocked that that it because I, I know you. I know you're a huge Deep Space Nine fan. I know you're a huge original series fan. It didn't really occur to me that you would have chosen a Voyager episode, let alone this mm-hmm. Voyager episode. Yep. And then I watched it again and found out. It, it well, I don't I don't want to give it away too early, but I found there was a whole lot more there than meets the eye.
0: Yes, uh, a lot more, um, which is why it is, uh, I, I'm very passionate about this episode when I think about it. And the more I've watched it, because, of course, before we prepare for these shows, I'll watch things several times just to make sure I've got everything in my brain the way I want it. And the more I watched it, the more emotional it was for me. So um, it'll be interesting, and I'm looking forward to the discussion later on in the show about why it's so powerful for me. but. That's what I would have chosen as my runner-up. Can I take two with me?
1: No, no. The question, I I think it was from Trey, um, said you can only take one. And even if Trey tells you you can, I'm going to tell you you can't. Okay, Mr. So there. That's (laughs) right. So, Dan, are you prepared for the trademarked landmark? (laughs) Trek Geek's three-minute recap of Star Trek Voyager's Timeless.
0: I am, and I've got an idea. If it goes over three minutes, we can pretend one of those car commercials, and you can just speed up my voice like at the end of the commercial so it makes three minutes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like that guy in the FedEx commercial from the 80s? Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, I'm ready. Here we go.
1: And begin. Voyager's
0: been frozen under the ice on an unnamed planet for years, with all but Harry and Chakotay dead. Fifteen years earlier, the crew built a slipstream drive to get them home to the Alpha Quadrant. In order for it to work, Harry and Chakotay were ahead of Voyager in the Delta Flyer, sending phase corrections to Tom Paris. But Harry miscalculated, and oops, everybody died. They got back to Earth and spent 15 years searching for a way to change history. They resigned from Starfleet. They stole top-secret equipment. And specifically, they stole a Borg temporal transmitter... And they became the Federation's most wanted criminals. Huh. Dun dun dun. With the help of a reactivated doctor, they dissect Seven of Nine's brain to get the exact frequency of her transmitter and also get the exact moment of her death so that Harry can use the temporal transmitter to send the correct calculations to Seven of Nine in the past so that they don't die. Are you confused yet? Thoroughly. Okay. But Harry's new calculations are, guess what, still incorrect, so Voyager crashes again. Harry realizes this because they're still there and history hasn't changed. As Captain Geordi LaForge of the Starship Challenger catches the Delta Flyer in a tractor beam, Chicote and his girlfriend Tessa send a feedback pulse to the Galaxy-class class, class Starship, allowing them to break free, but it also causes the warp core to destabilize and it will explode in minutes. As Harry lets his self-guilt boil over for killing his crew, the doctor snaps him out of it and tells Harry to send another set of calculations to Seven of Nine, which will shut down the failed slipstream st- drive. I can't say slipstream for the life of me. <laughs> <laughs> you just did. <laughs> and prevent the disaster. <laughs> as the power fails, Harry uses the doc's mobile emitter as a last-ditch power source to send the message into the past, At the instant, the Delta Flyer explodes. Back in the past, Seven gets the phase corrections, the slipstream drive shuts down, and the ship is thrown out of the slipstream and everyone is safe. The captain assumes that Harry sent Seven the corrections, but he has no idea what she's talking about. Later that evening, Janeway gives Harry a message that was found in the telemetry of the transmission sent to Harry. It was from the future. From Harry to Harry. If he's seeing the message, future Harry says, then everything worked, and Harry owes him one. And that is a Harry Kim episode wrapped in one little ball. He screws up four or five times and then saves the crew.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just want to point out your recap was 12 minutes and 12 seconds. (laughs) You went down in flames. Wow, that was pretty bad. It It didn't feel like 12 minutes, so we must have been having fun. I, it was the conversion uh to uh to french that's that's what it was
0: my apologies for the uh tongue twisters there
1: we should have started a drinking game on the over under on you being able to pronounce slipstream
0: slipstream mano entereme <laughs>
1: you still got it wrong i
0: know it is
1: <laughs> you know i have to say off the bat that this episode has a fantastic teaser oh yeah you know there are some there's some really good teasers throughout like you know the uh, the next gen era star trek as i like to refer to it but this one you have no idea what's really going on until the camera pulls back and right. you see the voyager registry number under the ice yep. and at that point you're like what yeah and then the opening credits happen just like that and it's like
0: w- what but i'll tell you what
1: as much as that
0: is awesome, one of the things that I have in my quote-unquote dislike section of the episode is kind of a nitpick. It's not a big deal, but I'm kind of curious. At the beginning of the episode, um, Chakotay and Harry beam into what looks like a cave, and they're kind of right. wandering around for a while, and they're you know taking readings, and they're walking around this rock and walking around that rock. And then finally they say, we're here, and then they pan back, and you see the ship. Why didn't they just beam to that spot?
1: <laughs> it's a dramatic license. You got to have the reveal.
0: It was oh my god! It's this way and that way. <laughs> like I said, nitpick. And,
1: and, and you know, I'm not a huge Voyager fan, as we've established in the past. But can I just say that Voyager has the best theme song since the original series?
0: It is really good. The more I've seen, the more I watch Voyager, the more I like the music. I like the horn section a lot, which is a lot of it. But it's very, very, it's, it's very good. It,
1: it's really sweeping and beautiful and majestic, and it reminds me of exploration, kind of like the, uh, the original series theme does.
0: And I do like... I know we've talked about parts that you don't like. I like the opening sequence in terms of what you see. It's sweeping across different areas, different planets. I know that you don't like the wispiness of one section, but I like that it, it has that. It's a little different than any of the others.
1: That's true. Yeah, I like that. Um, in this episode... Harry Kim is angry. Mm. He is is tortured. He is furious. And I have to believe that this is more than Rick Berman ever let anyone do on Voyager before or since. Because remember, we saw Garrett in Boston in 2014 at Trek Boss. And he told this story there. And he's actually told it on a couple of podcasts since about how they took... After everyone was cast, they took... You know, them all out to dinner and said, look, those of you playing humans, you got to dial it back because we really need the aliens to shine. Mm -hmm. And this is, I have to believe that this is more than they ever let any human character do before or since.
0: I agree. And it's, it's really, it's kind of a shame because... Garrett really showed his potential on this episode. He he yeah. never got the opportunity to do this. This is by far, without, I think, debate, this is the best Harry episode in terms of, of story and, and Garrett's performance, without a doubt. It's so unfortunate that it was just this one episode that we really got to see that.
1: I agree with that. I thought that he showed real range he showed a, a progression of that character from the the youthful ensign who's always whining about not being able to go home, to somebody who lived with the fate of a wrong decision mm-hmm. for what was it, fifteen years?
0: Fifteen years, yep, yep. I
1: he he was he was really really great in this episode, and I didn't get that same sense the first time I watched it when it aired.
0: Yeah, I think it was. I think it's something that if you watch it more than once, you really start to appreciate it. Um, I think Garrett has said that he felt restricted in the role a lot of times. Um, the writers didn't give the opportunity for a lot of the cast to do what um, they could have done, and, and made this the series that much better. Um, but this, it was great that they just let him do what he needed to do in this episode because he really, he really hit it off.
1: And I have to say that although I'm, I'm not a big fan of non-linear storytelling, as you know, mm-hmm. I, have, uh, I have to say I do think it worked really well in this episode in particular, the way the story was crafted. And I, I think that that's a direct tribute to Joe Manoski, who, who co-wrote this script with Brandon Braga. And as a, a side note for trivia, Joe's actually on the writing staff for the new Star Trek series, premiering in 2017, which I'm very excited by.
0: Uh, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, 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 uh, of the episode, one of the things that I love about this episode, and it, it, you can drive yourself crazy thinking about it any time that you have a time-traveling episode. This is a brilliant example in my mind of a temporal paradox We can just get your head spinning. Um, so see if, this, see if this makes sense. If future Harry sends the message back through time and succeeds, then future Harry never actually exists. So how is it possible to send a message back in time if he never existed to begin with? You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> as as Captain Janeway would say, I've got a headache.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I, 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 th- I think what they do in these episodes to, to try to make it so that you can follow it along is I love how in these episodes – they use the different scenes to bounce back and forth between the different time periods to make it look like the events are actually happening in linear time when, in fact, it isn't. Does that make sense? You've got you've got this Harry in the future sending a message to past Harry, and it goes from future Harry to past Harry as if it's all cohesive and, and flowing when it really isn't.
1: You don't say. It's it's not the easiest
0: thing to understand. And if I have a hard time understanding it, I can guarantee you that you're looking like a goofball right now. Well,
1: that's only because you're speaking, honestly, and that does it to me every time.
0: Wow, okay.
1: Can we can we all agree as a as a fandom that what kills everybody in this episode is Neelix's Talaxian fur fly? <laughs> you don't that have a stuffed g- fur fly? That thing scared the crap out of me. I wanted to beat it with a shoe. <laughs>
0: that would have been gross. <laughs> that's a big fly.
1: <laughs> what the, Why would you put one of those in your engine? It's for luck, man. Didn't you listen? Well, apparently it didn't work very well.
0: <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, there's a lot of things to like in this episode, I think. Um, one of the things that I loved, but was a shock at first, was to see LeVar Burton as, uh, LaForge, as captain of the Challenger, which I did like the, um, uh, the tribute to obviously the space shuttle Challenger. Um, I thought, what's that?
1: Sorry. No, go ahead. I,
0: I thought it was very interesting in the conversation that Chakotay and LaForge had that LaForge understood that he needed to follow the regulations, but he also understood what Harry and Chakotay were doing and might have been doing the same thing if the roles were reversed. That was very interesting to me that he said that.
1: LeVar, of course, directed this episode, mm-hmm. which I think is worth noting. Um, a fine job by him, but here's one of the things that made me scratch my head. LeVar is not new to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Safe to say?
0: A little bit, yeah.
1: Seven Seasons is Geordie LaForge, four movies. So why is Captain LaForge calling Chakotay from the Observation Lounge? <laughs>
0: Doesn't he have a bridge? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, the only thing i can think of in all honesty is maybe he wanted to have a private conversation because i can't imagine that people on the bridge if he heard the captain of his the captain of the ship say well i might be doing the same thing if the roles were reversed that's uh that's kind of a big statement i think so maybe he just wanted it to be a private conversation
1: it the way the the action was cut together it seemed like he ought to be on the bridge <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I did like how he had his, his uh, bionic eyes. I thought that was pretty good.
1: At least they, they kept with canon for that. I think that's great. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: can, I just, uh, can I just say that uh, the, the drunk scene with Seven of Nine, completely <laughs> stupid. Absolutely. I, I
0: hate it. Yeah. I, I We've talked about this before. The quote-unquote romances on all of the different series never really worked for me. And although this wasn't romance, there was always that hint of it with the Doctor and Seven of Nine. And I just think that those scenes are fillers and don't really um, give any of the characters any real growth. And I think that was a perfect example as well
1: this one didn't strike me as, as lending to that as much as it did trying to create a humorous moment for seven that played on the stereotypical friend, trying to get their drunk female friend home Mm. after a a party. Okay. And I, 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 for me, it was the part of the episode I thought was the most poorly constructed that whole second half of the engineering scene. And then, you know, uh, Tom Paris makes an Edsel reference Mm -hmm. and, and I, 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 that was the one part of the episode I did not enjoy. Okay. Other than that, I thought it was great.
0: Um, I agree with the seven aspect. Um, there were some scenes in the engine room that I thought were very important as, and liked as well. But I, one thing I didn't care for, and I know it's tradition and everything, the champagne bottle, the way that it was done, the cracking the champagne bottle over the engine, it wasn't really a new engine. It was a modified engine. So I'm not exactly sure why that was needed. And it wasn't a new ship. You usually christen a new ship with a champagne bottle, not a new engine. So I thought that was a little odd.
1: You know, they're constantly low on power. People have replicator rations. Where the hell did the bottle of champagne come from?
0: <laughs> Maybe it was uh, her Time watch that Chakotay got her for the uh, for the other Time episode that we like so much, and they, they just <laughs> turned it into a bottle of champagne. Um, nice. Speaking of humor... That humor didn't work, but maybe not humorous. This is kind of gross a little bit. But the scenes when the doctor is actually holding Seven's dissected head and brain in his hand as he's trying to get the uh, um, time of death from her, um, Mm. complete with her eyeball right there. I thought that was hysterical and macabre at the same time. I just thought that was a riot. It's like, hi, Seven. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I do think that you know, there's actual conflict in this episode. And, and there's actual emotion. And this cast really plays it well. And I found myself sitting there going, why aren't there more of these moments throughout the seven seasons? Yes. I, A- am I wrong about that? Not at all. That's the flaw
0: that we always talk about with Voyager. It's as simple as that. The, the potential was there for the cast that was chosen. And I think in a lot of a lot of iterations, the writing staff dropped the ball on what
1: they were able to do and what they would do for these characters. I will say that Harry's rallying of the troops and Janeway and engineering is is extremely passionate. It's a little bit out of place because it's not Harry's job to do that, but he made an effective case and the thing that surprised me about it the most is that Janeway, the scientist in that group, because mm-hmm. remember, they do not it seems like it's the only ship in Starfleet right. without a science officer. <laughs> it seems like she's making a decision that goes against who she is when she tells Chakotay she's going to go forward with the test. Right. Yeah, it, it's a risk, but it seems counter to the scientific thought And examination, she gives everything else that happens in the series.
0: I agree. I found that scene in engineering with Harry kind of getting in Janeway's face, to be honest. Very interesting, because I give Tom Paris credit for that actually even happening. Harry wasn't going to say a word. He was going to step back like he always does as the ensign and not say anything. And Tom said, hey, let's hear Harry's idea. So it was him who gave him the opportunity to talk to the captain. It was obvious that Harry wasn't going to speak up. Um, Paris, I think, recognized that. So he stepped up. It shows the friendship that Paris and Harry had. Now, even though allowing Harry to give this idea uh, to Janeway got them all killed, you can't blame a guy for trying.
1: <laughs> no, you can't. And I have to say that I'm not a big fan of the Tom Paris character.
0: I don't I think, think I am either.
1: Um, but, but he was really effective in that scene mm-hmm. in doing the right thing the right way, if that makes sense.
0: Yep. And as well as in the holodeck scene where they had gone through what I think they said 40-something or 20-something yeah. variations of the, of, the, um, of the slipstream drive. And each one they died. And Harry wanted to keep going. And he's like, no, enough is enough. He was putting his foot down, which was something that you didn't usually see with Paris either.
1: No, that's really true because I would have thought his friendship for Harry would have made him you know, jump through as many hoops as they wanted to to try to prove it out. But mm-hmm. I, I think it established that even Paris knows when enough is enough. Right. A
0: um, couple other things that, that really struck me in this episode of things that I liked wor- that are worth mentioning is we talked about the acting of, of Garrett. It was phenomenal. One of the best parts of this performance was extremely subtle but it really spoke volumes and that's at the end when he was watching the video of future harry telling him that his own miscalculation caused the death of 155 of his friends and when future harry says that the camera is on present harry and he he just has a the tiniest of reaction in his eyes and in his mouth and it it was it spoke volumes to me is all i can say it was a great scene
1: it was a great scene and I only wish that Harry's message to himself had been longer. Yes. Yeah. You know, because I get that it was rushed and the doctor interrupted it to some extent, mm-hmm. but I, I wanted a little more substance there, it, but it was great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you know, as I'm watching that scene, I'm like, I'm going, that's it. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. I do have to say that that epilogue scene, as oddly placed as it is and it, between Janeway and Kim really is a nice way to close out the episode.
0: It is. It's a very nice way. It shows, it shows how Janeway cares for her crew. It shows the, the, uh, I don't know, the manic desire for Harry to want to get back home because it, after everything's happened. He's just sitting there studying the calculations that don't even matter anymore. To be honest, um, I do want to bring up two things about the slipstream drive that I really liked. And I can, yeah. I can say it now. Um, I think the idea of the slipstream drive being developed using different technologies was a good, um, uh, a good thing for the show. You had Benamite instead of Dilithium. I thought that was interesting. You incorporated Borg technology. And with everything going on in the world presently, we're talking about IDIC a lot. And this was, a, this was an example to me of IDIC, different technologies from different groups of people all working together to try to get something positive done. So I thought that was kind of cool.
1: I think that's Star Trek at its best when it happens, mm-hmm. You know, meeting a challenge and rising above it. Although I, I will say on a slightly humorous note, the slipstream effect, the tunnel reminds me of the warp effect in the JJ movies.
0: Okay. Do you want to hear what it reminded me of? Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of the Bigfoot tunnel from The Six Million Dollar Man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the other
0: thing I was going to bring up
1: I can totally see
0: that <laughs> I want to go watch that right now
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I I understand that they had to use the Delta Flyer set because they had it mm-hmm. it, w- it was there to use let's write it in because we have the sets already yeah. but it's a shuttle <laughs> Why would it be sitting around a Federation shipyard for 15 years?
0: Oh, there are so many. I don't want to call them mistakes when you're talking about these time travel episodes. But yeah, that's a that's a great one. You wouldn't think that maybe you'd want to shut that one down. Actually, you know what? I want to I want to take a step further. That wouldn't be sitting around for 15 years. It's 15 years in the future. Technology has evolved, Right. In theory. Why is LaForge commanding a galaxy-class starship? That's an old starship by now.
1: Well, why is he commanding a galaxy-class starship, and was there not enough money in the VFX budget to show it firing on the Delta Flyer?
0: (laughs) Yep. And I wanted to watch it really close. I wanted to actually do a frame-by-frame to make sure it didn't say Enterprise on the hull.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, And did it. I
0: didn't, I didn't do the phrase, uh, the freeze frame. Um, so, phrase frame? Phrase frame, yeah. <laughs> beer cover, cap cover. Um, so we've talked about a lot of things that we've liked, Bill. What? And we've actually started to talk about some of the dislikes. Were there things in this episode that really kind of didn't work for you?
1: Yeah. I have to start first and foremost with the Tessa character. That's my number one. Um, <laughs> she is just like everything... Involved with Chakotay, and that is she is short-lived and unexplained. She's not a fully fleshed-out character. We get that you know they're getting it on together, and that's great. Mm -hmm. But Chakotay needed somebody to talk to, so they just inserted a character that he had some kind of relationship with. It just it didn't work for me. I, I didn't really see a reason for that character to be there.
0: It's amazing. We have not shared each other's notes on this episode. We've not talked about what we were going to discuss about our likes and dislikes. My first dislike is Tessa. And I said that she was nothing more than filler in this episode. And the scenes between her and Chakotay were flat. The dialogue was forced and I did not think it worked at all.
1: I, I almost feel like they could have accomplished that with a third Voyager crew member on the shuttle Mm-hmm. With Chakotay and Kim.
0: Yep, I agree. See, we think we, maybe it was
1: B'Elanna. Who knows? We
0: do think alike sometimes.
1: That's really scary. Yeah.
0: Here's uh, here's one of the things that 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 bothered me about this episode. In terms of this is wrong. This is not the way that this should be going down. When Chakotay and Janeway are having dinner in her quarters, the captain says to Chakotay that she's made the decision and they're going to attempt the slipstream drive test the next morning. Correct. Yes. So he was concerned, and he voiced those concerned concerns rather. But then he agreed that the test should take place. So she asked if he was with her. To are you with me? And he replied, "Always, always." Um, do you remember <laughs> Scorpion Chicote? <Chakotay?" laughs> that bothered me a lot. <laughs> always. A <laughs> lot. Yeah. So
1: I uh, I. I- I do agree with that. You know, that whole scene, I'm sure it, it feeds the people who love the idea of a relationship between Mm -hmm. Janeway and Chakotay. And I get why, because there's some familiarity in there that really made me sort of scratch my head that a typical captain and first officer probably wouldn't have agreed. And it was, it was a well constructed scene, you know, both Kate and Robert did a fantastic job in it, but it left me going, Huh? Maybe they really are. And I didn't necessarily like that aspect because I just I'm not a I'm not a big relationshiper, honestly.
0: In real life, either. <laughs> wow! wow. No, 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 no! You're a good friend. Anyway, yes, I, I do I agree. It always seems like they're trying too hard when those scenes take place. Not just for them, but for any of the characters.
1: You know. there's the things I don't like about this episode are so minor Mm -hmm. compared to the things that I think really shine. And really that was it for me as far as what I didn't like. Did you have any others as far as what you didn't like?
0: Small nitpicking one. We already talked about the Talaxian fur fly and not so much that I didn't like that. But what I don't like is that those are not selling in the official Star Trek store. I'm going to have to talk to Mr. (laughs) Van Sitters about that and see what we can do. (laughs) Those would sell like hotcakes, man. Cabbage Patch Kids times ten.
1: <laughs> oh, I have nothing.
0: That's right. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, we already talked about the Galaxy Class Starship probably being like a Laserdisc or a Walkman equivalent by that time. But um one of the things that I noticed I don't think I noticed it the first couple times I watched it, but then I watched it and I was like, wait a second. And if you remember at the end of the episode, when Future Harry sent the first signal to the past, he had to actually work with some tools um, physically with like a stylus on the temporal transmitter that was on the table next to the console he was working in. Do you remember that? I do. Okay. Later on, when he's trying to send the transmission that would shut the slipstream down and he was working frantically because it, the warp core was about to explode, he only worked on the console and actually sent the signal through the console. Huh? Didn't he have to do it through the Borg equipment? Because if he did that, they would have died. I understand that. But a little continuity error there, I think.
1: Okay. Maybe they interfaced it. Very Very, He he interfaced it when he
0: was having his tantrum in front of the doctor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, but I thought that was a great scene because his level of anger and his description of what happened after Voyager got home. Was uh, was great, or not Voyager? When he and Chakotay got home, um, and both Garrett and Bob Picardo were fabulous in that. Scene. Yeah, they
0: were. They were very good in that. Um, I had one more uh, that was in my next page that I wanted to bring up in regards to the slipstream drive, and then we'll move on. Yeah. Let me, let me make sure I understand this right. So there, I'm I'm just spitballing this now, but they're in the slipstream drive for about 17 seconds before it starts acting weird. Okay. So 17 seconds they the in the drive, in the slipstream drive. Wouldn't it have made sense to run the slipstream drive for 10 seconds and then shut it down? And then the next day run for 10 seconds and shut it down? Because in that 16 seconds, they cut 10 years off the journey. So if they just then run it again later, aren't they just going to keep cutting time off? And boom, they got 10 years. And boom, another 10 years.
1: Wow, my mind is blown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will get the techno manual out and uh, do some checking on the slipstream drive to see if that was possible.
1: You, so they could have ended that series right during Season 5, <laughs> is what 100
0: saying. could have been the last one. Everybody gets home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, then you could have had two years to explain what happened after they got home instead of what happened in Endgame, but that's <laughs> a story for another time. It
0: is indeed.
1: I I will say to to wrap up my comments that uh, there are two things that I I really love about this episode. Um, I love the fact that Harry was wrong a second time. Yeah, that was good. Because that had huge repercussions. Mm -hmm. You know, usually, you know, Starfleet characters always get it right. And if they make a mistake, they only make one. Harry makes two and they're both significant. And to me... The second mistake he
0: had the ability to or the he had 15 years to get it right and he still screwed it up.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, "Oh, oops. Sorry guys." <laughs> and then lastly, I feel this has to be mentioned because this is probably why they didn't have the money to show a galaxy class starship firing on the Delta Flyer. That crash landing sequence is amazing, is. and I think it's one of the best shots in all of televised Star Trek.
0: It is great. Um so much so that we decided to use it for the album cover this week. It's a great great scene. And and I'm not trying I'm not trying to be funny. I'm serious. The Millennium Falcon crash scene in Force Awakens made me think of this, but I like the Voyager one better. Really? Yeah, I just I think because it's Star Trek first of all, but I like uh, the effects are amazing in in Force Awakens, but I just think that, you know, the ice, you know, they crash through the trees and the snow and everything. It made me think of this episode. And I had not seen this in preparation for the podcast when I saw Force Awakens. But the first thing I thought of with that scene was that reminds me of Voyage is Timeless.
1: Interesting. Yeah, so. So, Dan, that kind of wraps up our thoughts on the episode. I am curious, though, as to why this episode plays so highly on your list.
0: Yeah, it's. um it's, it's a very highly placed episode for a lot of reasons. I won't go into super detail about the specifics of the reasons, but, uh, you know, you know, things that happened with me years and years ago. Um, for those folks, um, this episode resonated with me on, on just so many levels. I was instantly drawn to this episode because of the idea of Harry's self guilt for what happened and the death of his, of his crewmates. Um, his portrayal of this older and bitter Harry Kim was just exceptional to me. You could see it in his eyes. You could hear it in his voice of what the last 15 years had done to him. Uh, well, actually, let me let me rephrase. Better yet, what that one moment 15 years ago did to him. Um, and I know what that feels like, personally. I know what it feels like all too well. Now, I didn't cause the deaths of 150 people, but for me, that self-guilt with what happened with me was just as strong as Harry's. And it's almost for the exact same amount of time as you know, Bill. Fifteen years is a long time to hold something inside and have to live with guilt every single day and constantly question what if. Um, and at times, I felt that this episode was written especially for me. It was that strong with me. Um, the final moments of future Harry's life are the ones that I'm most connected with in this episode uh as he's frantically trying to make those changes to save his friend's life and you can actually see and feel the panic that he's going through that he thinks he's going to fail again or run out of time that's that's like a brick wall for me it's like it's like hitting a brick wall uh but the moment that he hits the console and sends the message and screams out yes as the ship explodes and that feeling of relief that he must have felt uh is, is really something I found myself wishing that I could have sent myself a message from the future to prevent me from doing something that I once did. Um, and I, and, and I don't know if, if, if the wording is right, but, um, I I didn't think I'd ever recover from what happened with me. And I felt that this episode showed that Harry was able to recover from the time aspect of it, but also in the writing aspect, everybody can recover from something that might have happened bad in the past. Um, a perfect example is me. 17 years after everything happened with me, my life is perfect. I wouldn't want to change a thing, but those moments defined me. They made me a better and stronger person. Although at the time, I never knew that. Um, it was a difficult time for me. Um, and I almost didn't get through it. I've said it before in the podcast. I almost didn't survive the guilt that I had over what happened. Um, but I've said it before. Star Trek was one of the things that literally saved my life, and I will always be thankful to Star Trek for that. Uh, things have happened over the f- last couple of years to finally put those demons to bed forever. Um, I lived with them since late 1999 and into 2000, uh, but for 15 years, just like Harry, I carried the guilt with me every single day. Um, I got this second chance at life by living and then meeting my future wife, Susan and starting life over again. Harry got his second chance by being able to send the message through time. This episode to me should have been called second chance because that would have been a perfect title. Um, This episode will always be very special for me because of my personal connection to it. And that's why I would have chosen that as a close runner up to Corbamite maneuver. But as you can probably tell from over the last few minutes, this is an emotional episode, and I didn't think I would want to have something that makes me so emotional be the one episode that I would have to live with for all time. So I chose Tranya. <laughs> <laughs> and McCoy
1: and Bailey. <laughs> but first, the Tranya. Uh, so the first time you saw Timeless, when it aired, because right? I assume you watched Voyager first run on UPN. Yep. Was it difficult to watch? Yes.
0: I, it was very difficult to watch because I was still living with it. I was still living with everything. Um, well, wait a minute. Let me think a second. For a second, what what year did that air? Now that I think about it, it would have been. Oh gosh, I can't remember now. I'd have to do a quick check on on it. If I'm, I I may be thinking of when I had seen it uh, during the the difficult times that I had had uh, back in the early two thousands. Um, it may have been the first time. I think Bill's checking the numbers of the years. Uh,
1: it first aired in November of 1998. Okay,
0: so no, I would not. It would not have uh, been before everything happened with me. So, when I was going through my dark times, I would literally watch Star Trek to give me that escape that I needed. And I do remember at the condo that I was in at the time, watching this episode and just freaking out, and and wishing that i would have that chance to just be able to go back in time and change things because at the time i didn't really have anything to live for at the time um so the original time was on no it wouldn't have it wouldn't have affected me as such but in and when i saw it uh, later it certainly did
1: well buddy i for one am glad that you know like harry kim you had that chance to to purge that guilt and Lucky for you, it didn't take blowing up a shuttlecraft to do it. I
0: probably would have. I mean, I'm the one to blow something up. It's going to be that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you have any um, final thoughts on on Timeless as we we close our look on this episode?
0: uh, I think it's a perfect example that anybody who has despair can look at and take away from it that there's always light at the end of the tunnel if it's as weird as sending a message back through time so be it it worked it got that relief that future harry needed at that last second before the delta flyer exploded for me it was a realization that everybody can get a second chance and it's not always as bad as you may think it is at the time
1: that is so very well stated my friend and uh I, I have to agree with you 100%. So um, thank you for sharing your story and for um, for picking this episode. I'm, I'm glad that we had this discussion today.
0: Oh, I appreciate it. It's something that – one thing that I will say, we I've never really gone into the, the exact details of what happened with me in my life uh, so many years ago. Um, we may do that at some point. I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I will talk about it if asked about it because one of the things that I've said – um, is that uh, I'm not afraid to say that I almost committed suicide over it. It's not something that I am proud of, but it's something that I'm not ashamed to say. And by saying that, if I can show someone that no matter how bad it is at the time and didn't make that ultimate wrong choice, if I can save one person from doing it, then I've succeeded in my discussions and telling people my story. So We may do it one day. We may get into it, and I'll tell everybody the story. Um, We may not. It just depends if people want to hear it or not. But um, Star Trek saved my life. Um, And I will always want to thank the people that are in Star Trek um, that they took a part in in saving someone's life.
1: Well, I, for one, buddy, am glad you're here, and I'm glad that we're able to do this. And here's to many more great years of talking about Star Trek.
0: Okay. (laughs) You jerk. (laughs)
1: yeah before we close out today's episode let's pick a winner a winner for what (laughs) <laughs> the first winner of our Amazon, I'm sorry, our Amazon gift card for our iTunes subscribe and review. Mm-hmm. We've collected the various reviews from well the, since the beginning of the year, really. Yeah. Anyone who entered a review into iTunes for Trek Geeks was eligible in this first drawing, and the period ended on June thirtieth. Okay. So I will ask you to pick a number. Between 1 and 20. 16. 16. I am now one going to. Sixer. Ran- one sixer. I will now randomly mix up this array of numbers 16 times. Okay.
0: You want to play the music? Ding, 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 ding. No, that's the wrong music. Sorry. wow. <laughs> <That>, uh... <laughs>
1: You're really good at this. I just want to say. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> you have issues. Uh. Well, we have to say, uh, I've landed, uh, 16 times in randomizing and the reviewer chosen at random is John in Cincinnati. He wins the $25 Amazon gift card.
0: Congratulations, John. And thank you for the review. Uh, and we want folks to continue to send those reviews in. We love to get them positive or negative. Uh, just go to itunes.trekgeeks.com to subscribe or go to googleplay.trekgeeks.com if you have an Android type device.
1: I might have one of those and soon you will too, my friend.
0: One week from today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> John, I will contact you offline to arrange the delivery of your twenty five dollar Amazon gift card and thank you to uh, to everyone that entered a review. Um, unfortunately, none of you were eligible for the next review period, so I know oh oh sorry, but we genuinely thank everyone for their feedback so uh, Dan, the other thing we have to show some gratitude for is the house band. For this year's STLV, I speak, of course, of Five Year Mission. You're the house band? I know, right? Jumping. The,
0: too many crickets.
1: <laughs> the house band for the official Star Trek convention in Las Vegas coming up in just under four weeks. Oh. I can't wait. We uh, We can't thank the guys enough in Five Year Mission for letting us use their amazing music every week. Awesome. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series, which is just... And it's awesome. That's the thing. It it's
0: awesome. It is. It's great music. We love it. Speaking of episodes...
1: Oh, God.
0: I, <laughs> I don't know. I thought something was wrong with my TV when I was watching. I put, I put in an episode just just last night, I think it was. might have been the night before. They all blend together. I turned it on, and, dude, all it was was, like, a black screen. And every once in a while, like, static would flash across the screen for a few seconds like the old style TVs it was just there was nothing there and then i realized that i must have put in the episode
1: fark's brain uh. no Dan, why don't you tell us what's coming up next week? I would be happy to. Wow, that was bad. Okay. <laughs> well, we're really
0: excited about next week, Bill. Uh, well, we're, we're excited about every week, but next week's going to be special. We've got another fantastical crossover episode coming up. Uh, we're going to welcome two friends from the Tricorder Transmissions Shore Leave podcast, and we're going to be talking Star Trek Las Vegas, baby. Yeah, we're going to welcome back Jeff Hewlett. And we are very excited to have our dear friend Heather Barker on Trek Geeks for the very first time.
1: The original Trek Geeks girl finally comes home to Trek Mm -hmm. Geeks. I'm sure we will be her second favorite podcast, too, and that's okay. Yes. She herself, who now has a fantastic podcast.
0: She does have a fantastic podcast. Better than this one. (laughs)
1: I know. I've been trying to replace you for 66 episodes, and it it hasn't gone well.
0: It's not going to go well going forward either.
1: Andy Robinson has stopped taking my calls. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: that's why I guess the payoff worked.
1: (laughs) That's all coming up next week. Uh, Please remember that for more great Star Trek discussion, you can check out said podcast from the tricorder transmissions as well as several others just head on over to the tricorder transmissions.com and of course for all the latest news on everything star trek please visit treknews.net for now for now dan this has been episode 67 of trek geeks (laughs)
0: live
1: long and prosper
0: i'm you know what i'm gonna bypass my coconut this week And okay, coconut! Thank you. Bill's a jerk, and he is ugly, too, and Bill's a jerk. Hey, buddy. I love that Skype ring.
1: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's what you were singing it to. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, we don't have the bing
0: bong anymore. (laughs) Anymore? Like Phil Collins would say. No more. No more. No
1: Yeah, your echo's back.
0: Huh, I don't know why.
1: It's usually when you go rogue that it happens. Huh, all
0: right, well, I'll stay on course then.
1: And I'm not sure why the blue light on your microphone is blinking.
0: I'm not either. I'm glad you can see that. Let me play with some, some stuff here and see what I can figure out. Yeah. It's still blinking,
1: no matter what I choose for settings. It just got really echoey there. Did it? Did it still? Uh, no, it, it planed out. Okay. Huh. It's very, it's, it's hard to tell. Hey, is your Skype set to automatically manage your oh, recording volume?
0: It might be because I haven't used it in so long. Let me check that.
1: Maybe that's it.
0: Let me check. Let me check with options. Going into options, checking audio settings. Automatically adjust speaker settings, but not microphone settings. Hmm. I'm gonna take off. Automatically take adjust off. speaker settings.
1: Yeah, take both those off.
0: Yeah. All right, they're both shut, off sh- now.
1: Shut these off. Shut these all off.
0: <laughs> yeah, everything was going good till the microphone was shut off by hair. here.
1: Is that true? Yes, it's true. This man is no d***.
0: Hey, I wonder what they're gonna say in that line in the new Ghostbusters because um, right. Hey, I've got a question for you. Because it's not funny? Oh, that's yeah. true, too. Let me ask you a question. You're the executive yeah, let me producer. Answer. And, and, it's, and seriously, you are the executive producer of the Star Trek Trek Geeks of Star Trek podcast, correct? <laughs> you don't even know the name. I'm, I'm going to start this over. Let's back up.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, let me ask you a question. i got a serious question for you. Oh, boy. You are the executive producer of Trek Geeks of Star Trek podcast, correct? You have produced executively... The last 66 episodes, give or take.
1: Plus various other special content.
0: Exactly. So, next week we have one planned, but since it hasn't actually happened yet, are you not the executive producer? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you you got to warn me before you're going to go off on a Burnett rant. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm the the director unless I don't want to be the director, so it all depends on what day it is. So
1: No, no, I'm the director when I'm only actually directing something. (laughs) Then, I'm not the director. It's really not that, that hard. Hi, Sue.
0: Oh, Bill says hi. She made me drink.